Last week, I, I, I talked to you, um, well, those of you who were here, um, for those of you who weren't here, I talked to those who were here about uh, the pain I was feeling about um, the war uh, in Ukraine and the, um, you know, the attack of um, a, an extremely powerful and well-armed um, army and nation against a, a much smaller and weaker nation, um, albeit one that has shown tremendous courage. Um, and, um, but I was, I was, I think, I think a lot of you shared the pain that I am feeling and um, when we see um, this this terrible um, event, um, we see the the um, uh, contravention of, as I was saying last week, the the all the values that we hold dear: um, protection of life, um, you know, protection of a way of life. Um, and, um, you know, respect for other people's rights and property. It's all being just um, destroyed in, in the worst possible way, uh, an unimaginably horrific way. And um, later, after I, I gave that talk, I, I thought of this, um, I thought of this teaching that uh, I had read many well, times, I think, or, or run across many times uh, uh, from Zen, uh, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. And uh, I'd like to read you that teaching because it's, it's quite, I think, relevant to this moment and, and what we're all feeling. Um, and this is from, as I say, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. It's from the chapter called uh, Traditional Zen Spirit. And Suzuki Roshi said in a lecture long ago, Something like, because the the, the the transcripts that if you read the real transcripts of the of the of the talks that he gave, there there you know there was quite a bit of editing that went on to make to make not, not quite a bit, but I mean you know correcting correcting the English and so forth. Um, so, but nevertheless, this is the spirit of what Suzuki Roshi said in this talk. He said before Buddha attained enlightenment, he made all possible efforts for us, and at last he attained a thorough understanding of the various ways. You may think Buddha attained some stage where he was free from karmic life, but it is not so. Many stories were told by Buddha about his experiences after he attained enlightenment. He was not at all different from us. When his country was at war with a powerful neighbor, he told his disciples of his own karma, of how he suffered when he saw that his country was going to be conquered by the neighboring king. If he had been someone who had attained an enlightenment in which there was no karma, 
there would have been no reason for him to suffer so. And even after he attained enlightenment, he continued to make the same effort we are making. But his view of life was not shaky. His view of life was stable, and he watched everyone's life, including his own. He watched himself and he watched others with the same eyes that he watched stones or plants or anything else. So, Buddha, according to Suzuki Roshi, was not at all different from us. And in this passage, it seems it seems real for that to be true. And I think the point that I was wanting to make last weekend and I still want to make is that um, it, it's okay to fully feel the pain of, of what is happening. Uh, to feel it in our core. It's, it's, and, it's, and it's not, uh, it's, it may be, it may be part of our karma to suffer like for these kinds of, with, with these kinds of event, events. Uh, but <clears throat> Uh, there is a teaching here that uh, it's possible in the midst of that kind of suffering to nevertheless uh, re have a stable view of life. In other words, we don't, it's possible for, it's possible for people in the face of seeing something like this to um, you know, have many dark thoughts, you know, give up on humanity, um, just uh, really have um, quite um, quite a dark view of what's going on. But if we have committed ourselves and if I have a theme for this talk, it's um, the theme for my talk would be what is or yeah, what is the Bodhisattva's way or what is the Buddha's way? How does the Buddha, how does the Bodhisattva, the enlightening being, act or respond in this kind of situation. And Suzuki Roshi suggests that um, maintaining a stable view of life would be uh, part and maybe the main part of how a bodhisattva should, could respond 
and not giving up on the principles that we hold dear. Uh, not giving up on our practice. Not giving up on caring for other people. Not giving up on our effort to understand the true immensity, immensity of this life. Not giving up on those things. It's the Bodhisattva's way, I would suggest. Uh, later on, in uh, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, Zukiroshi says this. He's, talk, he's talking here more about a view of life that is not shaky. And he says... The Bodhisattva's way is called the single-minded way. Or, quote, one railway track a thousand miles long. I don't know who called it that. Most latter-day person. (laughs) Single-minded way, or one railway track a thousand miles long. The railway track is always the same. If if it were to become wider or narrower, it would be disastrous. Wherever you go, the railway track is always the same. That is the Bodhisattva's way. So even if the sun were to rise in the west, the Bodhisattva has only one way. Her way in each moment is to express her nature and her sincerity. End quote. So, the Bodhisattva is a kind of unusual creature kind of an unusual person. Uh, Because even though uh, she sees great suffering, she doesn't get swept away by it. And even though she may feel great grief, she doesn't get swept away by it. Bodhisattva, I think, can even fall apart completely for a time. But the Bodhisattva recovers herself or himself. You know, in Japan, they have these Bodhidharma dolls. You go to the market, you can buy you can you can buy a Bodhidharma doll in many markets and. They're weighted on the bottom so that whenever you knock Bodhidharma around, he always comes back upright. A Bodhidharma cultivated, sat nine years facing the wall, cultivating a stable view of life. 
So um, I brought uh, Shanti Devo with me, who is maybe our most uh, eloquent uh, exponent of the Bodhisattva's way of life. And I'd like to read something from that. Uh, here he, he's, this is, this is uh, somewhat uh, midstream, but it's, I think you'll be able to get right along with it. And he's talking about, this is kind of a prayer. This is kind of a, a, a prayer of wanting to, uh, of what the Bodhisattva, who he wants, she wants to be. May I be a guard for those who are protectorless, a guide for those who journey on the road, for those who wish to cross the water, May I be a boat, a raft, a bridge. May I be an isle for those who yearn for land, a lamp for those who long for light, for all who need a resting place, a bed. For those who need help, may I be their helper. May I be the wishing jewel, the vase of wealth, a power, a word of power, and the supreme healing. May I be the tree of miracles for every being and abundance. Just like the earth and space itself and all the other mighty elements, for boundless multitudes of beings, may I always be the ground of life the source of varied, varied sustenance. Thus, for everything that lives, as far as the limits of the sky, may I be constantly their source of livelihood until they pass beyond all sorrow. And then he continues, and, and, and here he, he kind of changes tone, and he's telling you how 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 one might might go about becoming raising this kind of vow how one might do it just as all the buddhas of the past have brought forth the awakened mind and in the precepts of the bodhisattvas stepped by step abode and trained Likewise, for the benefit of beings, I will bring to birth the awakened mind. And in those precepts, step by step, I will train. Those who thus with clear intelligence take hold of the awakened mind with bright and lucid joy, that they may now increase what they have gained, should lift their hearts with praises such as these. Colon. Today, my life has given fruit. This human state has now been well assumed. Today, I take my birth in Buddha's line and have become the Buddha's child and heir. So, uh, according to this formula, if we could call it that, um, the way that the Bodhisattva raises a great vow 
is to um, awaken the mind, awaken the heart, awaken a compassionate heart, awaken compassion, awaken wisdom. Awakening mind is the key. There are obstacles to this. There are, and and these obstacles we generally categorize, categorize as as our karma. And the karma you know that we have is said to um, and accrued over many lifetimes. Are these habits of mind uh, that uh, keep us obscured from uh, this vision of uh, ceaseless giving to beings, ceaseless care for beings. And um, ceaseless uh, dwelling in um, this great stability, this great stability and calm and ability to meet all situations. So what I thought we would do tonight is um, talk about um, how we feel about this project, this project uh, of um, awakening mind or this project of um, the Bodhisattva's vow of caring for beings. And um, yeah, we could talk to each other about that. And uh, one of the things that I want to suggest is that um, you might talk. You know, it's typical to talk and, and I think and 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 say, well, I, you know, I'm I've I'm not doing so well with this vow, and I I'm falling I'm falling off the the wagon. You know, I'm not doing so well with this this vow. Uh, it's it's hard to to take this, you know, all the way. And I was thinking that what we could do is uh, sit in small groups and we could tell each other well, a, a story on ourselves uh, that was um, a positive story, exactly a time when we met the moment uh, with another person uh, with a friend or family member. Or we could talk about something we're doing to um, meet some social situation, some, some, uh, some need in the society. Uh, some of us are working on things like that. So maybe we could sit and talk and say, how we're, what are 
some story about our success in this project of 